This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. We are, we are in a time, in a culture, in a situation right now that is obsessed with identity. Um, it's like a buzzword. It's something that people are really inter- interested in. Uh, people talk about you know, this is, these are my identities, or this is my identity, this is what makes me who I am. Um, and maybe, maybe some people have told you that the most important thing you can do in your life is find yourself. You ever heard that? You've got to find yourself, or you've got to, you've got to decide who you want to be in life. Um, I, I kind of think that that piece of advice is kind of confusing, I find it confusing. Maybe you do too. Uh, it's kind of daunting. It's kind of difficult. It's like, how do, you, how do you start figuring out who you are? How do you start deciding who you want to be? Or maybe, maybe what you need is someone to tell you who you are. Uh, but then there's a problem with that too. Because who has permission to tell you who you are? Isn't that something you have to decide on your own, something you have to decide for yourself? What's better? Is it better for you to decide for yourself who you are, who you're going to be, who you want to be, and create your own personality, uh, your look, your lifestyle? Or is it better to have someone else tell you who you are and who you should be? Any opinions on that? Getting a lot of, a lot of blank looks. It's hard to know, isn't it? I'm not really sure. Um, I do know that who you are, your identity, or maybe you're like your self-image, how you think of yourself, your sense of self, uh, can tie into your actions, what you do. Uh, not just like what job you have or like what you do with your time, but like even the little like decisions that you make every day. It's like, I'm the fitness person, so I eat really healthy, and I'm always wearing my gym clothes, and like it becomes every little detail, because it's your identity. Now, I have a problem with my identity. I lead a double life. No, not really. Um... (laughs) I think I have a pretty good sense of who I am, and yet I do things that are inconsistent with the person that I think I am. Does anyone have that problem? It's like, I think this is who I should be, and then I go and do something that doesn't line up with that. I'm inconsistent. Uh, And it's especially around, like, being a good Christian, doing the right things, saying the right thing. Like... I'm always trying to do the right thing, to do the things that God wants me to do. You know, I read the Bible, and there's all this stuff in here about being loving and patient and kind and forgiving, and I try, but I don't always succeed. I know what the right thing is, and I want to do the right thing, And yet, in those moments when I'm under stress, I'm under pressure, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm feeling overwhelmed, or just out of left field, I'm caught off guard with my guard down. 
and I do something weird, something that's not right, something that's not me, something that almost that's out of character for who I think I am. Where does that come from? I want to read to you uh, a passage in the Bible. This is in a book called Romans, which is a favorite of mine. Um, It's pretty intense. Strap in. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. It goes like this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. It's it's a big passage. There's a lot there, a lot to take in, a lot to talk about. But basically what Paul, who wrote this, is doing is he's describing two selves that are in him and that are in his readers as Christians, an old self and a new self. And he's saying, out with the old, in with the new. He wants them to to realize that when you choose to follow Jesus, when you become a Christian, when you give your life to Jesus, when you get dunked in a pool of water and come back up in a baptism, like when you say, this is me, I'm a Jesus follower now, your old self dies and is replaced with a new self, a new identity. Um, I want to kind of run through this whole passage, and I just want to pull out all of the phrases that describe the attributes of the old self. So we're going to look at all of those, and then we're going to go back again and read the passage a third time uh, and look at all the times he talks about the new self. And we'll see if we can kind of build up a picture of what he means by these two selves. 
Let's start in verse 3. He says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. The old self has been buried, dead and buried, crucified and dead and buried. There's this sense in which when you join with Jesus, when you are in Christ, you join in with what he has already done on your behalf. Jesus died for sin. And so the self, the old self that was all about following the way of sin has died on that cross and has been buried in the earth. And he uses this picture from baptism as a kind of visual representation of what's going on there. He's saying that, he's not saying that like there's something magical about that water that does this job, but he's using it as, as a picture to help you understand. He's saying, you've, you've seen people baptized, right? You've seen us, we get the, the big tank, we put it down here, it takes all day to fill up, it's freezing cold. Am I right? Anyone, anyone been baptized in our big tank here? It's freezing, isn't it? Eternity's nodding and, and shivering just in the memory of it. Um, we fill up a tank with water, and then you climb up a ladder, and you hop down on another ladder into the water, and then you get lowered into the water. So your whole self is under the surface, uh, kind of like being buried under the ground. Like the old self is dead and buried and gone. And then, depending on who's doing the baptizing, you might stay in there for a little while under the water and think, are you ever going to let me up again? And then you come up and you can breathe and you're alive. And it's kind of like coming up out of the grave into a new life. That's what Paul's getting at here. Uh, In verse 5, he kind of continues on that idea. He says, we have been united with him in a death like his. Or in verse 6, he says, we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We'll keep going. Let's see some more. Verse 11, he says, count yourselves dead to sin. Uh, That word count is, is a special Greek word uh, logizomai, uh, which is the word we get logic from in English. Uh, this is a mathematical term uh, for all you maths nerds out there. Logizomai just basically means add it all up, count it all up, find out the sum total. Uh, they used to use this word in accounting. Uh, add up all the figures. And so when he says, count yourselves dead to sin, he's saying, add up all the things you know to be true, from the things that you've been taught, from the things in the Bible, from the things that the Spirit has whispered to you in your heart of hearts. Count it all up and know that it's true. Figure it out. Verse 12 Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. 
Verse 13, don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. And verse 14, sin shall no longer be your master. That word sin comes up a lot there, doesn't it? It's in all four of those, I think. That word is just missing the mark, missing out on the expectations that God has for you and for your life. It's like I was talking before about feeling like I know the good things that I want to do, that God wants me to do, and I'm aiming for them, and I I acknowledge that they are good and that that is how I should live, and then I miss the mark. I stuff it up. That's, That's what that word means. So then, all the bits I skipped, let's go back again, work our way through from the top, or from verse 4 at least. The second half of verse 4 that I didn't read before says, so verse 4 was, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. See, it's not just the death of Jesus that we are united with. It's also His resurrection. Uh, The second half of verse 5 does something similar. Verse 5 says, If we have been united with Him in a death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. That logizomai bit, count yourselves dead to sin, but also count yourselves alive Count yourselves alive to God in Christ Jesus. Or in verse 13, it talked about not offering any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. And verse 14... You are, sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. We live in a different paradigm, a different type of relationship with God and even with ourselves. The old way said, when I make a mistake, that tells me something about who I am. I realize that I'm not the good person I thought I was because I've stuffed up. It turns out that I'm not a good person and there's something wrong with me. That's the old paradigm. That's what it means to be under law. And the new paradigm, the new self, it doesn't exist in that world. We exist under grace. We can say, when we make a mistake, when we stuff up, that isn't me, not the real me. That's the old me, the dead me, the buried me, the crucified me that is gone. And I am the new me now. And that isn't who I am. Yeah, yeah, yes, I stuffed up. Yes, I shouldn't have done that. I should say sorry. I should make amends. But it's not making me me anymore. Do you guys know what God says about you? Who does he say 
that you are. Who does God say that you could be? How is God shaping you and changing you over time? Do you want him to change you? It's true that our new identities in Christ, they don't make us perfect overnight. We are still a work in progress. We still make mistakes. But I believe that in a very real way, there is a new you inside you, even if the old you is still there telling you to do other things. And so then you have a choice. Do you live out of your old ways? Do you follow your old habits? Do you keep making the same mistakes over and over? Or do you tap into your new identity and say, that's me, and I'm going to start living like that's true? When he talks about counting, that count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God, I think it's, it's this idea of repeatedly choosing the old thing over the new one. I mean, the new thing over the old one. Repeatedly choosing the right thing. Repeatedly reckoning yourself dead to sin and alive to God. Continuing to refuse to obey sin. And continuing to offer yourself to God as, what does he say? An instrument of righteousness. And I think that um, it's been my experience so far, I'm still on that journey, but so far I can tell you, my experience is that the more you do it, the more it becomes a habit, the more it becomes a new normal, it becomes a kind of automatic thing, slowly but surely, we become who we are. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit wants you to change, not because there's something to be ashamed of in your old self, but just because there isn't you anymore. The real you is in Christ, and the Spirit wants to transform you to be all that God has called you to be. Can I invite the band up? And as they come up, I think we should pray. So if you want, want to just bow your heads, maybe close your eyes, and we'll just take a moment to invite the Spirit to do that work. Holy Spirit, we invite you now to work in our hearts. Speak to us. Show us who you know us to be deep inside. Show us who you long for us to continue to grow into, to continue to become. Recreate our hearts, God. And out of that, out of the overflow of those new hearts, let us see our lives change, our lifestyles change, our choices and behaviours and gut reactions change to be more and more like you. Jesus' name. Amen. 
This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.